Now, today we are starting a new series that's a follow-up to our Easter message last week, and I am super curious today. We have a pop quiz, okay? I'm curious to know if anyone remembers our bottom line thought from last week. Our bottom line thought, it was a bigger statement, and then I boiled it down to a smaller statement. It had three words. Anybody remember? What's that? What's that? Direction determines destination. You got it. This guy gets uh, extra points uh, for the day. So way to go. So uh, I said last week that the direction that we travel in life uh, determines the destination that we end up at. And then we boiled that down to the statement, direction determines destination. And so we're going to extend that bottom line thought into this next series. And we're going to explore what that means in kind of a new context um, but before we get into all that, let me ask this question. How many of you remember what it was like as a kid, or maybe you saw this happen, so maybe it didn't happen to you, but you saw this happen. You know what it's like to be the last kid picked for the team. Anybody remember that? Anybody like, know what that's like? All right, so even if you didn't have that experience in your life. Most of us kind of get that concept. We know that's not a pleasant thing. That's not a fun thing to experience. And we even understand it in adult world. You know, some of us know what it's like to be overlooked for a job, to not be picked for, you know, the prom or a date or the promotion or, or whatever. So like, we get that concept. But I want to take all of us to elementary school. Okay, so for some of you, you know, that was a long time ago. Others, it wasn't that far ago. But I want to take you to elementary school, and I, I want you to kind of put yourself in the spot. You're one of the kids in line with a group of other kids that are in line, and you're being picked for a team, for a, a game that you're going to be playing. And often in those kind of environments, you've got the most popular kids or the captains, the, the most athletic kids, or the oldest kids, or the the biggest bullies uh, sometimes were the captains. And so imagine the captains are picking and they go through, you know, they're looking down the line and they're like, I pick you, I, I, you know, I pick Johnny, I pick Susie, I pick Billy, I, you know, they, they go down, they go down. And you're like, in your mind, if you were like me, I'm thinking, I hope I'm not the last one picked. No one wants to be the last one picked because the last one, you're not really picked. Like you just got to go on the team that had the next pick. So you weren't really picked. No one wants to be in that spot. So we all know that that is a very uncomfortable experience. That's awkward. Nobody wants to feel that. And right now, if that's bringing up some bad memories, stop by our care table before you leave and you know, we'll make an appointment for you. But just kidding. So I do understand like that's not a fun experience. And most of us want to get away from that experience as quick as possible. But this morning, I want you to hold on to that. I want you to feel what that felt like. I want you to remember what that felt like because Jesus has something to say about that today. Uh, our new series is called Take Up and it's based on uh, a passage that Jesus um, spoke to a group of people. And uh, in that passage, he says these two words. And so I want you to listen to what he says in Luke chapter nine, verse 23. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels." 
So this series is based on those four verses. And over the next four weeks, we're going to pull apart those four verses. And we're going to start in verse 23, where Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower. So we're just going to start with that today. And uh, at first reading of that, I don't think that many of us understand how big of a statement that was from Jesus. That was a big, radical statement as he said that to a large crowd of people who were listening to him speak that that day. Back in that day, not just anyone could be a follower of a rabbi. And rabbi just means teacher. So not just anybody could be a disciple. You had to be the best of the best to be a disciple. So I'm going to explain a little bit of the religious education system in the Jewish culture. And as I do that, I'm going to try to make some parallels for us today so that we can kind of see how that fits for us and try to help us understand it a little bit more. But back in those days and in that culture, when uh, little kids were ready to go off to school, and we would call that elementary school age, they would go off to school and, and they had one primary textbook. That one primary textbook was called the Torah. It's the first five books of the Old Testament. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was uh, their primary textbook, and they would do everything about their learning surrounding those books. They would learn to read. They would learn to write. They would learn to recite. They would learn to memorize large sections of the Torah. And then when they finished that part of their education, um, many of the students, before they stepped into the next level of education, it was around middle school, what we would call middle school, around the age of 12 or 13 years of age, they would be finished with what we would call elementary school. They would be done with their education. Young girls then would go on to learn how to uh, raise families, and believe it or not, at around 13 or 14 years of age, they were being married and starting to have children. And that's not a thing for us, uh, but it was a thing in their culture. They were learning how to uh, take care of homes. Then young boys would go off and learn their family trade, whether that was fishing or pottery or being a shepherd. They learned how to support their family. But there were a few young boys who would be invited to the next level of education. And that was called Bet Midrash. And in Bet Midrash, they would study the deeper meanings of the Torah. They would start learning and memorizing the rest of the 39 books of the Old Testament. And they would go through that education for a few more years. But not all of them would make it through that. Only the best of the best in that group would be invited to the next level of their education. And that level involved becoming what was known as a Talmud. Now, a, a Talmud is a Hebrew word for disciple. And to put Talmud in a context that maybe we would understand a little bit more, it involved uh, going through a practicum or an internship or supervision uh, to learn from the professionals in your field before you actually become a professional yourself. So we kind of get that concept. Like we understand that, and the medical profession has that. The trades have that. There are many careers today that have that, that you have to learn from some professionals before you become a professional 
in that field. When I was finishing my graduate degree in counseling, I had to sit under supervision for two years before I could uh, take my state exam, my state counseling exam. And so I had to go to a supervisor every week for two years to talk about the clients that I was seeing, the cases, and get wisdom and guidance on how to handle those cases and how to guide those people. And so if you know Dr. Rick Filippi here in our church, he is a psychologist in the Volusia County School System. He was my supervisor for two years, had to put up with me coming to his house every week for two years. And I am grateful for all that I learned from Dr. Rick. But Atel Me didn't just want to learn information. It wasn't about just learning what the rabbi knew. Atel Mead wanted to become just like their rabbi. Atel Mead wanted to have the same passion, the same commitment. They wanted to interpret the text the same way. They wanted to be just like their rabbi. But disciples didn't get to choose whether they were, would be picked as a disciple or not, they had to be chosen by a rabbi. So I want to put all of us in that spot of a young Jewish person who thinks that they want to become a rabbi in their lives. And so you've made it through the first two levels of your education, and you have studied the Torah. You have memorized large portions of the Old Testament. You can teach some of the deeper meanings that are there. And you think you have what it takes. Like you feel this call from God. You want to be a rabbi. You want to help people grow in issues of faith and how to understand and apply their faith. And so you think, I want to do this the rest of my life. So basically, you would go find a rabbi and you would apply to be their disciple. So you would go up to the rabbi you wanted to become like, and you would say, listen, rabbi, like I have made it through the first two levels of our educational system, and I think I have what it takes to become like you. I want to be your disciple. That rabbi would observe your life, take a time to observe and see, does, does this person have what it takes? Like, do they, they, can they do what, what I do? Can they become who I am? Not just do they know what I know, but can they become who I am? And at this point, for a rabbi, their reputation was on the line. Because if, if they chose poorly, if they chose a disciple who wasn't really passionate, who, who wasn't really committed to becoming a, a rabbi and, and really teaching people well about their faith, then nobody would follow that rabbi. Nobody would listen to them. They would not be a respected religious teacher. And so they were very particular about who was chosen to be one of their disciples. Again, only the best of the best were chosen. If a rabbi didn't think that you have what it takes, they would say, go learn your family trait, which basically means you aren't good enough. You didn't make the cut. I don't pick you. So go learn your family trait. But if the rabbi observed your life and thought, you know what, this, this student could possibly become like me. Like they have the same passion that I have, the same commitment, the same desire, the same knowledge. Like I think they could become like me. Then that rabbi would say to that disciple, come, be one of my disciples. I think you have what it takes. I pick you. So the few who made it got to be disciples and they would follow their rabbi for several years until their rabbi would say to them, you've made it. You are now your own 
religious teacher. You're a rabbi yourself. And now you need to go and you need to make your own disciples. So you can imagine as you hear that religious system, how difficult it was to not only be a rabbi, but how difficult it was to be a disciple. Not just anybody could become a disciple. Again, you had to be the best of the best. But I want you to listen to how Jesus chose his disciples. Matthew, another one of Jesus' disciples, recorded in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, this. He said, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Verse 21 says, a little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called, to, he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now, what does it tell you about these four men that Jesus invited to come follow him? What does it tell you that they were fishermen? Feel free to participate out loud. They didn't make the cut. They weren't good enough. Uh, they, they weren't even the JV team because they weren't picked. They were the overlooked, the not good enoughs. And Jesus comes along and says, I think you have what it takes to become like me. So I pick you. I think that helps to explain why these guys left everything to follow Jesus. Like if you read that without that background context, it can be a little weird to think, these guys left everything. Like they even left their dad. Sorry, dad, out of here, I'm following that guy. Like why would they leave everything to go follow Jesus? Well, it was, it was because a religious leader, a rabbi came along and said, I pick you. I think you have what it takes to become like me and I invite you to come. Jesus picked some very interesting people to be his closest followers. He picked some fishermen. He picked a tax collector that nobody in their group liked. He picked some quiet guys we don't know much about. He picked some outspoken guys who got themselves in trouble a lot. He picked a doubter, a betrayer, and a political activist. And I'm sure the other rabbis around Jesus thought, what are you going to do with that group of people? Like, they're the not good enoughs. They're the overlooked. Like they probably didn't even make it to the second level of the religious education. Jesus, what are you going to do with them? And Jesus took that overlooked group, that not good enough group, and he radically changed the world. Another interesting thing about Jesus' disciple-making strategy is that he put the decision into the hands of the people he chose as far as whether they would become his disciple or not. So he said, I pick you. I think you have what it takes to become like me, but you need to decide if you pick me. Many people have chosen to follow Jesus and many people have chosen to reject Jesus as their rabbi. One time, a rich young ruler came to Jesus and talked about eternal life. He had everything going for him. Uh, he was very religious. He had wealth going for him as well. He just had a, a lot of stuff that we would say in our day, like, wow, he's made it. He had all that. 
He came to Jesus and, again, talked about eternal life. And Jesus recognized there was one thing that was more important to this guy than God, and that was his stuff. And so Jesus said to him, go sell all your stuff. And then Jesus gave him the opportunity of a lifetime. He said, come, follow me. The Bible says that rich young man turned around and walked away sad because he loved his stuff more than God. Thousands, if not millions of people over the past several thousand years have been saying no to Jesus just like that guy. And I'm curious this morning what you have decided. Have you decided to follow Jesus? And I don't mean have you prayed a prayer at some point in your life. I mean, have you invited Jesus into your heart? And then have you followed that up with a passion for becoming more like Jesus? Are you a Talmud in the biblical sense of the word disciple? Are you consumed with becoming more like Jesus? Do you read scripture? Do you apply it to your life? Do you find areas where you're not like Jesus? And do you work hard to become more like your rabbi? Do you love people the way that Jesus loved people? Are you for people the way that God is for people? I think that's more of what it means to be a disciple than I just prayed a prayer. Being a real disciple of Jesus, a real follower of Jesus is way more than just praying a prayer. It's doing everything we can to become more like him. Now, today, you can walk out of here and you can say, you know what, like, I don't want to be a disciple of Jesus. But you can't say, I wasn't chosen, because Jesus chooses everyone. He says, if anyone wants to be my follower, if anyone, it's available to anyone. So it doesn't matter if, if you've had religious training or not. It doesn't matter if you know a whole lot about the Bible or nothing about the Bible. It doesn't matter if you've gone to church all your life or if this is the first time you've stepped into the doors of a church. Actually, this is a loophole because this is a middle school. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if, if, if you grew up around church or not. None of that matters. What matters to Jesus is you. And we talked about that last week. We talked about the reality that Jesus stepped towards the cross, disregarding its shame because of the joy that lie ahead for him beyond the cross. The joy that, that lied beyond the cross, beyond the torture, beyond the pain, beyond taking the sin of the world on his shoulders as an innocent man, the joy that Jesus was looking forward to was you. Because Jesus picks you. He says, you have what it takes to become like me. So Jesus was willing to die in our place to prove that to us. Jesus picks you. And today he's asking, will you pick me? The way that we choose Jesus as our rabbi is through a, a conversation in church world, you call that a prayer, where we do tell Jesus, like, hey, I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me to pay my sin debt, and I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. And then we follow that up with a passion for learning to live more like him, with a dedication to try to, to, to fix some of those things in our lives that aren't like him. 
And it's not about our efforts that get us into a relationship with God. But when we say we want to be a follower of Jesus, it's about really following him, not just saying I prayed a prayer. It's about really following Jesus and becoming more like him every day. One great way that we can learn what Jesus is like is by reading scripture, specifically reading the gospels. So those are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're written about the life of Jesus. And so I have a challenge for all of us in this series is to read the book of Luke throughout this series. So we've got four weeks in this series. We'll be reading six chapters a week and learning what it means to follow Jesus. And so whether you're a Christ follower or not, it doesn't matter if you're already following Jesus or if you're still considering that, you're not sure, you're skeptical about it, doesn't matter. I challenge everybody to commit this series in the next month to reading the book of Luke. I dare you to. I double dog dare you to. Okay? And as you're reading, what I encourage you to do is pay attention to Jesus. Watch how he treats people. Watch how he lives. Watch what he asks his disciples to do. And then compare your life to that and see how you're living and whether you're really following Jesus, again, in the biblical context of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, Before you leave, what I encourage you to do is pick up one of our spiritual growth challenges at the back of each seating section. If you're watching online, you can download that from our website. And that's just a one-page document that takes what we're talking about on Sundays a little bit deeper. And on it, I have our Bible reading plan. So you pick that up and just follow along in the Bible reading plan. And there's some questions there, some other resources to help all of us dig a little deeper in what it means to really follow Jesus. If you need a Bible, um, I encourage you to take one of the Bibles at the back of each seating section as our free gift to you. If you want to download a Bible on your smartphone, then you can download what, what, uh, what is called the YouVersion Bible app. I highly recommend that one, and I recommend you start with the New Living Translation. If you download that, you'll find there are all kinds of Bible translations, and you might be confused, not know where to start. So if you're new to the Bible, start with the New Living Bible Translation. It is labeled NLT, and uh, that'll help you get acquainted with Scripture. And again, as we're reading throughout this series, pay attention to Jesus how he treats people, how he loves people, and what he asks his disciples to do. Now, as we close today, we're going to do something a little different for us. We don't normally do this, um, but we're going to close in a way that's going to give you an opportunity to respond to what we've talked about today in our message. And in, in, in just a moment, our worship team is going to play a song that uh, I grew up singing as a kid in church. It's a real simple song called, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And uh, Mitch is going to come, and he's going to start playing that song behind me. And then our worship team is going to guide us through that as I set up what we're doing here. But listen to several lines in this song. The first line says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The second line says, though none go with me, I still will follow, no turning back. So I'm going to speak to several different groups as we close. The first group is those who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And there might be a few folks here that are in that spot or maybe somebody watching online in that spot where you'd say, you know what, like I've heard about what Jesus has done. I've never really made that decision for me. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. 
And then the second group I'm going to speak to this morning are those who maybe have wandered off their path of following Jesus. Maybe you've found yourself following your, your own path. Maybe something difficult's happened in your life that's gotten you off track with God. There can be many reasons we're not following Jesus the way that we want to. And if you're in that spot today, I'm going to invite you to come back to following Jesus. And I'm going to do it in what's going to feel like a scary way. I'm going to ask you in just a minute, not right now, I'm going to ask those in those groups, and I'm going to speak directly to those groups, but I'm going to ask you to stand to signify your decision to follow Jesus. And I, I totally get that. Like, if you're new to church world, like, you might think, why would I ever want to stand in church and draw attention to myself? That's the scariest thing ever. I get it. I know. But I want you to imagine, again, that you're in elementary school. And you're in one of those long lines with all those other kids and their team's being picked. And Jesus, as your captain, he looks at you and he says, I pick you. And he says, I pick you. And he says, I pick you. You've been overlooked all your life. You haven't been chosen. You've been picked last. And yet today, Jesus says, I pick you. And I pick you. So I think a natural response in a scenario like that would be to stand to our feet and say, thank you. Jesus, I pick you in return. This is not about a public display. This is not about impressing anybody. You're not doing this for me. If you stand, you'd be saying to Jesus, Jesus, I pick you in return because you've chosen me. So that's the context of what we're going to do here. So I want to invite you, if, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and yet today you're recognizing, you know what, I need to make that decision. I've not made that decision. I need to ask Jesus into my heart. I need to tell him I need him. I need to tell him I believe that he is my Savior who died so I can have eternal life. And I'm asking him right now to come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. If you're making that decision today, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'll give you just a moment for that. All right, I'm sorry, the lights are in my eyes here. So I see three people standing, four people standing. So proud of you, proud of you four people. Uh, as we sing this song, what I encourage you to, you to do is use this song as your declaration and sing, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Invite him into your heart as your Lord and Savior, and then commit to follow him. And I encourage you to pick up our spiritual growth challenge before you leave, because it's got some next step recommendations for you. And if you would just keep standing for one moment, I want to talk to the next group real quick. The next group is those who say, you know what? I haven't been following Jesus, really. I put my faith and trust in him at one point, but I'm not really following him right now. 
So if you're in that spot and you want to follow Jesus again, you want to get back on track with him, I want to invite you to stand. Anybody in that spot that recognizes you need to start following Jesus again? Thank you. Anybody else? Again, I know this is a little unusual for us, but I'm proud of you for standing. And I encourage anybody in that spot, again, to use today as a declaration and really commit to what it means to following Jesus. Now I'm going to ask everybody to stand. So let's all stand together. And uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Our worship team is going to guide us out in this song. And again, whether you're brand new to your faith, uh, uh, you're slowly growing in your faith, or you've had faith for a long time, I encourage you to use this song in a declaration to God, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. I want you to remember this. With Jesus, you aren't picked last. You aren't overlooked. You are loved, you are chosen, and you are cherished by your king. So let's pray together, and then we're going to sing. God, we're so incredibly grateful that Jesus, you extended to everyone the opportunity to follow you as our Lord and Savior, that that we can be your disciple. You didn't say just religious people could. You didn't say just wealthy people could. But you said anyone, if anyone wants to follow me. So Jesus, thank you for including all of us in that. Thank you for picking us. Lord, there are a lot of people here today or listening online who know what it's like to be overlooked, to be part of the not good enough crowd. And yet, Jesus, today you're saying, I pick you. Lord, in response, We have the the great privilege of saying we choose you as our rabbi, as our teacher. And we want to follow you. We want to learn what it really means to become your disciple. Lord, more than just saying a prayer, really living like Jesus every day, really learning to love people and treat people the way that you, Jesus, treat people. So Lord, I pray that you would teach us that. And I pray as we go through this series and we read the book of Luke and we get to see you, Jesus, we would see those areas where we are deficient and Jesus, you would help us. Holy Spirit, you would help us learn to live the life that you've asked us to live as your followers so that we could lead more people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus, thanks for picking us. We pick you in return. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray this. Amen.